Welcome to Nuanced Beauty, because the world is nuanced and we think that's beautiful. Hi guys, welcome back to Nuanced Beauty. Uh, This week I have another interview episode. Um, I am chatting with Brianna. Um, She and her mom, Lisa, launched Haven Bread Co. with the goal of starting a micro bakery that allows people to be just as obsessed with sourdough bread as she is. Um, This micro bakery allows uh, people to purchase organic sourdough and goodies every week. And um, I brought her on because I thought we could have a fun, nuanced conversation about sourdough making and running a small business. Uh, Brianna, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I thought we could just get kicked off by asking the most nuanced and yet simple question ever. Uh, How do you make sourdough bread? Yeah, um, I think, you know, that is such a simple question but and some people find it very complex but it truly is so simple um it is literally your wild yeast from your starter flour and water and and salt when you start adding that into the bread um and i think that um you know you can go and find so many different recipes for sourdough bread right and um Mm -hmm. When we are making our sourdough bread, we have a um, a few things that go into it. You have to have a super healthy starter, and that is something that's super bubbly. When you take a smell of it, it's going to be very yeasty. It's and like, It's like a going into a brewery, yes. a brewery tour. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, and then you're going to have um, your, your great flour. You can go all purpose or you could go to a bread flour um, and then your filtered water and some really great salt that has um, a lot of nutrients into it. So before, you know, getting into the very complex of sourdough bread making, um, you know, it's just, it's crazy to me that all you have to have to make a beautiful loaf of bread on top of a very nutritious loaf of bread is flour, water, and salt. Uh-huh. And that's just amazing to me. But um, to go into the depth of how to make sourdough bread. Um, so, you know, eight to 12 hours before you're wanting to make the dough for your bread, you're going to you're gonna feed your starter. So you have already an active starter that is wild fermented yeast. Mm-hmm. And um, that is... Now, did you... Let's talk about the starter because yeah. uh, Bill and I have both dabbled and um, I... We... I don't know. He tried to do one variety. I don't remember. And then the starter I tried, I used orange juice and flour. You're laughing at me over there. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Something about orange juice, adding orange juice and not just the water and flour, yeah. it allowed the yeast to like happen. Yeah. It to, to thrive maybe a little bit more. It did. It I'm thrived sure. more than just trying like the totally, uh, I don't know, with just flour and water. Yeah. It's probably How did you, that, your starter. Yeah. My, um, my starter actually is from a friend who dehydrated her organic starter. Oh, okay. Um, so I revived a dehydrated starter. Um, and that's the one I'm using currently. Um, but yeah, you literally, like you guys were trying to do, you can make starter in your home with just flour and water. And through that process, um, naturally wild yeast starts fermenting because of that flour and the, um, bacteria that can happen. It's going to find, yeah. Yeah. And it's going to grow and take, uh uh-huh. And become fermented. And that's what that starter is, is fermented flour. Uh And, um, so, 
you can have all those different varieties. Um, and a lot of, yeah, a lot of people use different types of flowers in their starter, like buckwheat or um, other types of grains. And then also I've heard people, you know, if their, their starters are like a little bit sluggish and isn't getting as, it wasn't, um, it wasn't ballooning as much like for the husband's starter. I just remember like trying to get it to double in size or whatever mm -hmm. in the container or mason jar, marking the level and everything. And it just, it was not, it just wasn't wanting to really rise and it wasn't doing great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's, you know, there's a lot of tricks to try to get your starter to be happy again. And one of them is to add sugar. To, oh, okay. So, so that's that orange, the orange juice, juice, sugar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah, the, when, before creating or starting your dough to make actual bread, you want to make sure you have a healthy bubbly starter because mm -hmm. otherwise you're going to get a it's lame. It's a firm <laughs> brick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Some going to be dense and gummy and not the greatest. Um, so to have that healthy starter, you'll probably have to have, um, so prior to making bread, if anyone is wanting to do that, you are going to want to start that starter process. If you do not have a starter, like a month before making a loaf of bread um, mm -hmm. because you, you want it happy and healthy and bubbly and, and just thriving before you try to make bread. Um, and so 12, eight to 12 hours, depending on how the temperature of your home is, how um, the temperature of the water that you're feeding the starter with is, is going to okay. all impact how, when, how or does. when that starter doubles. Okay. Um, so eight to 12 hours prior to making dough, we feed our starter. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then 12 hours later, for the most part, we, um, start making our dough. So your dough is in, in a large mixing bowl would be add your, um, starter mm -hmm. on a kitchen scale. We measure by grams. And so, um, we're just a lot more, um, precise in our, than like taking a cup of flour. Cause you could have a different, like the, how heavily you pack the yes, flour. Yes, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're very just precise on our, um, on our measurements. And so we, so everything that we're making is all similar. Um, mm -hmm. And so you start with your starter in the mixing bowl, you add your, or your water, and then you're going to add your flour and salt. You're going to mix that up. You want it to, it's going to be like a shaggy mess. It's going to be a dough ball. That's <laughs> not very fun. Uh -huh. And um, I actually don't take a, even a kitchen utensil to it. I take my hand um, because okay. you just, mush it and squeeze it and um it's gonna be kind of that shaggy sticky mess and yeah that's okay it's gonna that's what you're gonna do that's what it's gonna be yes. yeah yeah um and then you're gonna scrape the excess off your hands and um then you're gonna throw a like a damp um tea towel on top of your bowl and you're gonna walk away from it for um probably 45 minutes to an hour okay. um <laughs> once you come back to that bowl it's gonna be kind of the same look, but it's not going to, it's going to be a little bit glossier um, and it's going to look like it's incorporated together a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so then I take a wet hand. So I have like a bowl with water next to me. I throw my hands, um, my hands or my hand into it, depending on how many loaves are, you're working with in front of you. Mm -hmm. And you're going to do your stretch and fold. So this is what helps um, develop the gluten in your bread. So it's strong and um, you're not going um, – you're not going to get such flimsy or it kind of gives you that like bounce back feel, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so you're going to develop the gluten in the, that, wow, the bread <laughs> by, um, your stretch and folds. And so 
Um, we do three to four sets of stretch and folds. Um, I usually, even if I'm doing one loaf, all the way to 20 loaves in the same okay. container. Um, the more loaves, the more stretch and folds I usually do because it's it's um, a workout. It is. Yeah, it 20 is. loaves. That would be a lot of, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's 40 <laughs> pounds, 40 <laughs> pounds. Um, so with the one loaf, I do stretch and folds. So if you go to YouTube and look that up, you can kind of see that demonstration. Um, with the 20 loaves, I do coil folds. Um, oh, okay. It's basically almost the same thing. It's just you're working, um, you're working the dough a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you're going to do three to four sets, like I said, with about 30 to 45 minutes in between the sets. Okay. Um, so after the stretch and folds, you're going to let it sit and that's called, um, this is called bulk fermentation. So it's going to sit between, um, two hours all the way to 12 hours. And that's all dependent again on how, warm or cold your water was okay. and how warm or cold your house is. And is there, you're watching the dough for like a change in size? Yes. So you're watching the dough for change in size. Um, if you were to have, you know, yourself or in front of yourself, a glass mixing bowl and you're only doing one loaf, you want probably a 50 to 75% in rise okay. in front of you. So um, 50 would be double or no, not double. No, not double. Like, so like if you were, you know, if it's sitting at the third of the bottom half of the bowl, you're going to want it to maybe get to that half of oh, the bowl okay. Okay. or a little bit above that half bowl. Okay. Um, and then with our, with our micro bakery, we actually take temperature. So we have a meat thermometer oh, and um, okay. we take we take temperature of right when the starter hits the dough, we start taking temps. And that all is the science behind when our dough should be ready to shape. So when the bulk fermentation is done. Okay. Um, and that's the there's kind of like a science behind that with uh -huh. the temperature of your house to the temperature of the dough. Okay. Um, so bulk fermentation happens where you don't touch it. It just sits on your counter. Um, some people, you know, in the winter months, they put it in their oven with the oven light on. Oh, the light. Yes. We tried. Yeah. We tried that to get it to rise. Yeah. The oven light just produces a little, like a little warmer environment than what our countertop was. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so once you see your, um, dough in that 50 to 75% rise range, you're going to take it out in front of you and you're going to dump it onto a lightly floured surface on your um, table and that's when you start shaping. Um, so it, to shape, there's so many different ways. Um, I like just throwing that ball of dough in front of me and taking every corner and kind of putting the corner into the middle of the dough. So you're kind of just going around that circle of dough and throwing it in the middle. And then you're going to take that seam side down and then you're going to start um, like tucking it. Yeah. Is that when you tuck the. Yeah. Okay. You're going to like push and pull the tuck to create tension on top. Um, mm. So that skin of the dough becomes tight and taut and um, that's providing a lot of tension on your sourdough loaf that is going to produce a better rise in your bread loaf when it bakes. Mm -hmm. um, so we do the shaping twice um, just because that provides a lot more tension in the dough. Um, and creates a better rise and a better crumb um, inside of your loaf. So the crumb is kind of when you cut the loaf of bread in half, that beautiful airy pockets that you see mm -hmm. in sourdough, that's called the crumb. Okay. <clears throat> um, so, um, yeah, so then you shape it twice. Um, in between that, you let it bench rest for 20 minutes, shape it again, and then you throw it in your banneton. So the banneton is those um, wood um, – 
bowls that you see a lot of people on social media use um, that they're dumping their sourdough loaf onto their little bread mat and making those beautiful scores. That wooden bowl is the banneton. Okay. Um, and so and what, like, is there like a reason for using the wooden bowl then instead um, of like a stainless steel or something? Yeah. So the wooden bowl or like the certain bowls that you use, they don't, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think to be honest, in my personal opinion, that I, this is totally my opinion, <laughs> the wooden bowls I think are more of that beautiful factor of sourdough versus okay. a sciency reason why okay. wood is better. Um, okay. I know there's some places that use it for like eco-friendly and all those other uh-huh. um, reasons why you would use it. But because they're so expensive, um, if you go yeah. on Amazon, um, you'll see the the dollar signs behind them. But they're <laughs> like ten to fifteen dollars a piece. Oh wow! Um, okay. So we actually use um, they're called fruit baskets, um, but they're <laughs> they're like this um, material that will not leach into fr- food, um, okay. and we use one hundred percent cheesecloth to go on top of them, and then we put our sourdough loaf inside. Um, but they're two dollars a piece, and ah. so we for our save a few dollars, especially for how many loaves you're making. Like yes. you're not just making one loaf. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So if you are planning um, just to have you know make some loaves for you and your family, like buy a sourdough kit on Amazon. That's how I started. Um, but there is not a reason for you to buy you know twenty dollar banatins <laughs> if um, you're going to want more banatins at your house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, so once that sourdough loaf, um, goes after you shape, it goes into the banneton. This is when we cold proof. So cold fermentation. So you're just elongating that, um, fermentation that was on your counter. You're now putting it into the fridge. Um, it's still fermenting. It's still getting all of those great health benefits of fermentation. Um, you hear all the time fermented food is great for your gut, like Mm -hmm. pickles and sauerkraut and all those things. That's exactly what is happening inside that sourdough loaf. Um, and we're just making it, um, we're prolonging it by putting in the fridge, but slowing it down. Because if we weren't to, if we were to keep it on our, um, on our counter, it'll keep fermenting at a faster rate because it's still warm in your house. It's probably still warm in your dough. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're putting in the, in the fridge. So then we're able to ferment it for 16 more hours to keep getting those fermentation, um, benefits. Okay. Um, and I personally like, Um, Do you feel like the rate of fermentation, do you feel like it changes the flavor or have you just did some reading about like the benefits of a slower fermentation is better health wise or? So both. Um, so the longer it's in the fridge, um, it, the more tangier it's going to be that sour taste because, um, that sour taste is from that lactic acid that's going, that's being released from the process. Yes, exactly. Um, and so the longer that fermentation happens, the sour it's going to be, the dough is actually souring from that acid. Um, and then cause you could just shape it put it in your banneton, let it rise a little bit more on your counter and bake it right then. Yeah. Um, and you still get benefits, but I personally like a little bit more of a tangier taste. I like it provides a little bit of a chewier crust that that sourdough gets. Um, okay. And then, um, I really like having that, um, the benefits of just a cold ferment. Okay. Um, so then the next morning we take 
it out from your banneton, you plop it on a parchment, um, some parchment, and then you're going to score it. So you're going to have, um, if you have seen anyone score a loaf of sourdough, I'm sure on your social media, cause it's everywhere. Yes. Um, and really quickly before like talking about like specifically for scoring, mm-hmm. what's the purpose of scoring a yeah, sourdough loaf. Yeah. So if so scoring a sourdough loaf, you can um, have an expansion score. So that's going to be that big, long score that's deep um, that you see you would see if you look up a video of sourdough scoring. Um, and that's going to allow your loaf to expand and get that big, beautiful belly rise that you see in um, a sourdough loaf. Okay. Those pretty, um, those pretty little, little wheat, yeah, the uh-huh. wheat stalks that you see on people's loaves or the flowers or if you've been on social media anytime around Valentine's Day, the hearts and all those those beautiful things. That is just more the art of sourdough. Like how okay. you can you can make it be a piece of art in front of you. Okay. Um That's so those cool. are not necessary. It's just more fun and making your bread beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, but the expansion score is necessary um, because otherwise if you do not um and this actually has happened to me. I've even done an expansion score, but I haven't gone deep enough on like the bottom side of my bread or like the, if you're looking at a loaf of bread, um, the lower half of the bread, um, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't expand. And so it just like my top half of that bread just like pfft, out, like it just <laughs> is like this big lump that goes okay. because all the um, like the inside wants to rise. Yes. And if you don't do it, it's not going to rise. It's yes. just going to stay like a dense block kind of. Yeah. Or it's going to like poof out on the top oh, or wherever like- there can be <laughs> like an air pocket that like okay. the, the crust was thin enough. It would just, it's going to poof out. Oh, um, gotcha. Yeah. So the, the, the air bubbles in that sourdough, it wants to release, it wants to get out and rise. So, okay. um, that, that expansion score allows you to do that. Um, okay. so we currently, because we do not have the capa- like the the tools to open bake, or we don't have a bread oven yet, um, we bake in a Dutch oven. So that's how you're going to see a lot of people bake sourdough is in a Dutch oven, and that provides the steam and the moisture that sourdough needs to have that rise in your bread. Um, so it's not like a loaf pan of bread that you can just throw it in a loaf pan and throw it in your oven. The Dutch oven is for a purpose. It's because that steam is needed for the rise of the bread. So it's a covered Dutch oven? Yes, it's a covered oh, okay. Dutch oven. Gotcha. So um, you're going to, after you do your scores, you're going to lower, um, you're going to actually, while you're doing your scores, um, I usually preheat my oven for an hour prior to baking with my Dutch oven inside. Oh, at, to have it at, to, okay. Yeah, yeah, to have it. Um, and I usually preheat at 480 degrees for an hour. Um, and then when you are done scoring and that, that Dutch oven is super hot and nice, nice and hot for you, um, you're going to throw your loaf of bread inside of that Dutch oven and have the cover on. I actually throw a few ice cubes in there because it just produces Add a little more steam. A lot more oh, steam allows okay. that rise to happen. Okay. Um, and then um, after 22 minutes, um, you're going to take the lid off and you're going to lower your oven temperature to 450 degrees, and that's going to allow that browning effect to the sourdough loaf. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And then once that's done, uh, you'll wait another 15, 20 minutes, depending on your oven. Um, 
You let it cool. I do not cut into my loaf of bread for three to five hours after cooling. Okay. Um, because once, if you cut into a hot loaf, if you do not have a very sharp knife, um, it can produce like a gummy texture uh, in the lower, the bottom half of your um, sourdough. So okay. um, just to, I know it's hard, but. <laughs> you just want to cut it because yes. you're like, oh, I finished baking bread. My house <laughs> smells so lovely. Yeah. Like what is going on? Yes. Okay. So um, yeah. And, and so you cut into Patience. it. Patience. Yeah. Three to five hours. <laughs> I know it's, it's a, like a 20, it's, well, it's actually like our process is 36 hours. That 36 hour process is it's you're like, I want to just cut into this loaf. I want to see the I'm beauty ready. of it. Yeah. Um, like, how did I do? Yeah. So, oh, man. yeah. So that's how we make a loaf of sourdough. So um, I love that. And I just want to draw attention to the fact that um, that first question took us 20 minutes. <laughs> And not as like, I think you did a wonderful job explaining, but just to like kind of point out like, man, there are so many just little tiny variables that can just change up what, what your process looks like. And for some, you might look at that as like way overwhelming and not worth it. But for others, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. like maybe you want to lean in because you think that that's kind of cool how you can tweak something just a little bit and get a slightly different outcome. Yes. And that's kind of, that's where the beauty comes in. Yes. It, um, is, it is such a science. And um, another thing just to add real quick is I love how sourdough can, when you cut into it, like I was saying, that crumb can tell you so much of the story of what your process was ah, and okay. it will tell you what you did or didn't do. And, um, <laughs> so it's just, it is a science and it's super rewarding when all of a sudden you get your like quote unquote perfect loaf in uh -huh. the eyes of sourdough, you know, sourdough connoisseurs. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> okay. um, and you can go on Google and look up, you know, like crumb, um, mapping and it will tell you like you underproofed it or overproofed it or et cetera. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, just it, it is a science, but it's such a labor of love. And like, like you said, just lean in if that's something that excites you and, and gets uh -huh. you busy in the kitchen. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. To expand your skills and just, just learn something new. Um, okay. Now I feel like many people jumped on the sourdough making, uh, bandwagon back in the days of COVID, uh, at the time my husband and I, we were living in Seattle and, um, it, like felt like everyone was asking themselves, um, if the store was out of bread, could I make a loaf of bread on my own? Or like maybe someone was like, oh, I'm so isolated in my house. How am I going to spend my time? Mm -hmm. And so people just wanted to make sourdough. And uh, my husband was one of them. That's why I have a little bit of context for making uh the starter and learning a little bit about the process. And then we gave it a try here as well. I didn't stick with it. Mm -hmm. I am now buying my bread from Brianna here. Um, <laughs> but um, I feel like the reasons for making sourdough is far and wide and it really like took off in the days of COVID. So I'm wondering, did you notice the similar trend wherever you were at? And like, when did you start making sourdough? Yeah. Um, that's such, that's so true. Um, and I love how during that time, so many people went back to what our ancestors did and uh, yeah. that's when sourdough boomed. Um, because yes, it, it definitely 
became a trend where we were at. We were in Atlanta at that time. My husband was going to chiropractic school. And um, that's also where the time that we kind of started diving into like the natural health world space. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where I was, I found out more about sourdough was all of, you know, the people you follow on social media, they, they were all starting to make sourdough. And so um, my, my actual community, in-person community in Atlanta, um, I think I only had one other friend who made sourdough. And, um, but that's where I was more encouraged to try. And so I did start trying my first time in the summer of 2020. And um, I failed miserably (laughs) too at that time. Um, I started, I tried to make my own starter and I thought, you know, at day six, I could make a loaf of bread (laughs) and I couldn't um, because it was this dense brick of a loaf of bread. And um, I think I, I did a few discard recipes And, um, I just, I slowly gave up because it just wasn't, um, it was more frustrating than anything. Um, I think the one thing that we reminisce is, uh, the discard recipes. (laughs) Like we made, um, just a rosemary cracker, (laughs) like a discard cracker recipe. And it was like, oh, that was so good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was, uh, there was some joy in the discard and the failure (laughs) there. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, and so after that, that failed attempt in, attempt, um, in summer of 2020, I started again, December of 2021. And, um, that's when my mom and I both got our hands into the dough a little bit more and started to actually fall into, in love with the process of sourdough. Okay. That was, you said December of 2021. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and why why do you enjoy making sourdough bread? <laughs> um, well, I love the process, the 20-minute process I just told you guys all about. Um, I really do love it. I think it's so fun. Um, my mom, on the other hand, if you were to ask her, she would say it's more frustrating than fun. So um, it's it, like a beast that she's trying to overcome or tame. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. um, and she she gets um she loves doing all the discard recipes like you just said of we offer a variety of things and she loves doing the discard i'm i'm the bread gal and um i'm fine with that because i love it it's such a labor of love um I, I love the taste of sourdough. I don't think I can, after the, you know, it's 2024. So three years that I've been making it, I don't, I really don't think I've had another piece of bread in three years. Oh, and cool. So it's totally like, it's not, I guess in your case, it, you didn't add sourdough to your like bread eating. Like it replaced mm-hmm. the breads that you were eating. Yes. Okay, yes. cool. Um, and we, yeah, I love the taste. Um, I also love the health benefits. Like I've touched on a few times, like it is so nutrient dense. Um, the nutrients because of the fermentation are way more bioavailable into mm. our bodies. Um, it's a prebiotic, which is super great for our gut health. That's why a lot of people who have maybe gluten intolerances can be, um, can they can eat sourdough is because mm-hmm. all that work that the bread is doing for you during that fermentation process, it's literally eating the gluten. Yeah. So our bodies don't have to digest it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, like the digestibility of um, sourdough, it, it provides um, – it just, it provides a lot for our family. So I love, I love the process. I, I love the taste of it and the health benefits are great. Nice. Um, and then what led you to start this business? 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I was in the tech field um, prior to this, but I was making sourdough on the side. I was probably making five to 10 loaves a week. Um, wow, and I was that's just a pretty decent amount. Yeah, I loved it. I, I it was super fun. I was a new mom. Um, and I it was just a very much of a passion. I loved giving them to friends, we would like trade, I would get fresh eggs from someone, they would nice. get some sourdough for me. And um, for me, if I were to receive a loaf of bread freshly baked from a friend, that's like such a beautiful gift in my eyes because of the intentionality behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing that. I I was just trying to perfect my craft. And um, so I was giving a lot of our loaves away and we were also consuming them because how can you not? <laughs> and um, so when this last fall of 23, I actually got laid off. And so when um, I got laid off, I was like, okay, well, let, I'll I'll just stay at home with my little baby and I will just keep lo- trying to look for work. And um, my community around me and in my mom's neighborhood, we went to a few like a block party and we brought sourdough and then all of my friends knew I do, did sourdough and they were all like, why don't you sell your sourdough? And I was okay. just like, I, I like, I can't do a brick and mortar. Like we don't have the money to do that. Mm, and you know, yeah. all those things. And then I found out about cottage bakeries, um, which we are, there's cottage food laws and then cottage bakeries, which um, is what we are. And that's kind of um, what led me to start my own business was just the encouragement of my community. I already loved it. It was a passion of mine. Um, And then something I kind of perfected as my craft, which is really cool. Okay. Now, how would you define a micro bakery then? Yeah. So the difference between a micro bakery and a cottage bakery, they're very much in my eyes, they're the same thing. Um, so a micro bakery is just a small scale bakery. Um, in, in my eyes, uh, it's kind of like what we're doing is porch pickups, or maybe they have a storefront in the front of their house or, um, in, in a shed on their property. Um, it's just a very small scale bakery, um, that's not commercialized. Um, and, so cottage bakery kind of in, entails into that. So when I say cottage bakery, it's because we're under cottage food law, which means that we're not in the jurisdiction of the FDA. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are, there's laws for cottage food. Um, like we cannot do certain things as in we can't sell cream cheese frosting that has actual dairy in it because it will spoil if it sits on someone's um, countertop. Mm-hmm. We can't sell refrigerated items in Florida anyway. There's other food law or cottage food law um, in different states. So we can't sell frozen cookie dough or we can't sell just bread dough. We have to have everything baked. It has to um, basically not spoil on someone's um on someone's countertop for you know right away as in like dairy or something like that um so in my eyes a micro bakery and cottage bakery kind of go in hand with each other but um a micro bakery is just a very small scale um bakery operation Mm -hmm. and it sounds like that really is um what allowed you to get into it is that they have this option out there so you're not like a commercial large brick and mortar it's so your startups are make it even possible for you to do it yeah exactly Um, Is there anything in particular with starting the business that has gone much smoother than expected? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think 
for us, the ordering process for our customers, we've heard great feedback. Um, so anyone who has a small business kind of like ours, a good service. Um, we use Hotplate, which is our ordering platform, and it provides us as um, the seller great information. Um, it's very easy to use. Um, it accepts payment, which is amazing. We don't have to deal with that. It actually, and it shows our customers that we are an actual business. Like we're not accepting cash and stuff through Venmo unless we're at, you know, farmer's markets and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I feel like that has gone so much smoother because it allows our customers who don't know necessarily about us. Cause we aren't a brick and mortar. We are, we are literally in a res residential Word home of mouth conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And a porch pickup. Um, so we aren't necessarily, you know, that typical, baker you think of. So I think that ordering process of having something standardized and something super easy to use, it allowed them to trust us, um, mm -hmm. number one. And number two, um, for them to get all the information they need as in addresses and um, it just in a t text message reminders and it's just such a smooth thing. I have really, really enjoyed, um, hot plate, which is what it's called. Um, and then we've also something that's gone super smooth, which I didn't, I didn't know it was going to was like our marketing and gaining customers. It has been amazing. Like we started three and a half months ago and this week we I, uh, are, maybe two loaves away from selling out. Okay. Um, and so we are completely at capacity, which is super awesome for what we have in our home bakery right now. Um, so that has gone so much smoother, um, just word of mouth, marketing, um, social media, um, partnering with a lot of our local people in Jacksonville to have them actually try our stuff and give us honest feedback and really only share us if you love us. Don't share us out of, um, because <laughs> out we gave of, like, you guilt or something. Yeah. Out, yeah. Of free, <laughs> out of free bread. So, uh -huh. um, that's been really awesome. That's cool. Um, is there anything in particular <laughs> with starting the business that has gone much harder than you thought it would? Yeah, I think anyone who started a small business, I'm sure could maybe agree with me as just like the legal things of it, like getting your LLC, your bank account for your um, small business, um, just like all that administration tasks. Mm -hmm. um, and then another thing just for in particular for ours, um, and this is more so probably a me thing, but is um, just um, organization and the time management of being a stay-at-home mom with a little um, on top of owning a small business is just like making sure you have your ducks time. in a row uh -huh. and in that time that you're allotted to do your small business, which is um, which is super I'm great. So grateful for it. I get to be at home with my my little, but I also get to run a business that I love and I'm passionate about. Um, but just like that time management thing, I think sometimes mm. As as moms, we think we can do a lot, and sometimes it catches up. But it's been it's been a huge learning curve that I've I'm really grateful for. I totally uh, relate to that feeling with um just the the podcast because uh, it's not a nine to fiver, so it's not in a set time uh, constraint. And then there's just there's so much flexibility and variables that come into play for how much time I want to spend. Like if I wanted to market more, if I wanted to expand on TikTok or YouTube and right. um, like uh, interview wise, if I wanted to bring more people in, like, mm -hmm. so in one sense, it's really awesome because I get to define my own hours when I'm um, recording and when I'm sitting down, like thinking through questions and interviews. 
But on the other hand, I'm like, whoo, I could quickly become over like consumed in this one area and like what is falling behind in the rest of our life. Yes. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I, I relate to that. Um, so why did you pick the name Haven Bread Co.? That's that's a fun question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so Haven means a safe place or a place of retreat. And um, during the time that I restarted um, making sourdough in December of 2021, um, right before then, my dad unexpectedly passed away. And um, the the kitchen was my haven. Like it was just a place that I felt safe, a place that I could go and retreat and stop mm-hmm. having a bunch of thoughts and, you know, my, my mind shut down and it brought me um, a place where I can put my hands and create and craft beautiful things. And so mm-hmm. my mom and I, um, she actually started picking up sourdough at that time too. And um, we joked around during those early months of making sourdough. We were like, yeah, we're going to start a bakery in the future and it's going to call it Brian's Bakery because oh, my dad's, dad's name was name. Brian. Okay. And um, he was a he so he grew up a dairy dairy farmer oh, okay. and then um, he worked in my parents' grocery store for um, his 30 plus years. And so, um, it's just, it, he would have loved what that we doing. were, <laughs> that we were doing sourdough. So uh-huh. it was just such a fun thing. And so that's why we chose Haven is, um, because sourdough is just a very peaceful, safe place for both my mom and I. I like that story. That's a beautiful story. Thank you. Um, and then, uh, why is it important for, um, you to offer organic bread? Like you guys all know, when you go into a grocery store the bread that's sitting in the bread aisle, how how many days has it been sitting there or and or months it's been sitting there? Everything mm. is just so ultra processed in America right now. And um, you just like I said, it, it's ultra processed. Like we have we have no idea what's in it. Um, yes, there's an ingredients list. But in my in our personal household, um, a lot of those words I can't even pronounce. And so when um, we decided to start making sourdough. I knew exactly what was in it, but for organic ingredients wise, um, a lot of our, our, um, products or our farming, um, practices in America have changed over time since the industrial revolution. And so a lot of our wheat and our grains are sprayed with glyphosate and, um, that is a chemical that's a neurotoxin. And so when you get organic ingredients in your bread, you know that those grains were not at least sprayed with them. Mm -hmm. And so that is why it's super important for us to be able to eat um, organic bread um, for the health benefits. And then also that we know our one-year-old can eat this because um, it's not going to affect anything in his body for the most part. Um, And so that's why it's really important for us to offer organic bread to our customers so then they know exactly what's in it and we are satisfied what's in it too. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate that in your answer there because I think, um, we shared in a different episode about like, is eating healthy virtue signaling? I shared a little more our story and how, uh, I did not grow up eating organic and very poor. And so I had some really strong opinions about eating organic. Mm -hmm. Like I was legit, I was on the other side of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. like annoyed by, the idea. And I saw it as people just like trying to prove they had more money because they could spend more. And, um, Mm -hmm. and then fast forward and making some own life changes and seeing benefits to my Mm -hmm. own health. And I mean, I, 
I brazenly share that I poop once a day now <laughs> where I used to poop twice a week. Like, yeah. and I don't think I'm alone there. So yeah. <laughs> no shame. I will yes. share it, but I'm telling you, like I, I too, I see where what we are eating is really significant to how our body's functioning. Yeah. And I, I think even like the idea for like around glyphosate is the product that we're using. It's a pesticide, right? Yeah. Or I don't know if it's an herbicide too, but mm -hmm. basically to kill some of the bacteria so that the plant survives and the bugs aren't attracted to it. So you can get a larger harvest. There's just some interesting stuff around like the the soil quality because it's, it's, you know, maybe preventing, um, some bugs and bacteria from getting on the plant, but then potentially like the long-term trade-off there is that the plants aren't as healthy and then the soil isn't as healthy because mm -hmm. it's killing some of the bacteria in the soil. And so it's just a really, I mean, you could go, you could get lost <laughs> down the rabbit hole of information there. And I think it's really cool to see that more people are kind of just learning and they're even uh, willing to have the conversation and not sound like this is totally crazy. Yeah. But, um, and I, yeah. And, and yeah. And like, like, and we're not, we are not a complete organic family. I am not, <laughs> I'm, there is no shame yeah. in not buying organic. Um, but uh -huh. I think there's things that you can budge on and there's things that you have to stand firm into buying organic. Mm -hmm. And there's in our household, there's just some things like that. And, um, I encourage you to look up like the dirty dozen and the clean 15 yes. and yeah. that's how you can help budget reasons. Like, this world is hard to live in sometimes right now with the um, economy. And so look at your choices and figure out what are the things we can budge on as a family and what are things not. And that's one of the things for us is just grains. They, I want them to be organic and, um, and you know, like our sugars, I want them to be at least organic too. So mm -hmm. that's kind of why we went that route. But like, yeah, like you were saying, um, just if you want to go down that, that and dig deeper into that, yeah. um, Go kinda, for it. Yeah. Like, and try it for yourself. I guess that's where at the end of the day, that's where for me, it just came from like mm -hmm. applying a couple things, open my eyes to just being like, Oh, maybe this isn't entirely off the deep end, or maybe this isn't just a virtue signaling. I have the money so I can spend more. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's like legitimate things that I, you know, as I kind of explored myself, I kind yeah. of just saw differences in the way my body acted yeah. when I paid attention to what I ate. So I, I that. appreciate that it's mm. organic. Okay. Do you have aspirations to expand your operations? Um, we right now are currently um, expanding our menu, um, just trying to offer more kind of like seasonal flavors or monthly flavors. Um, that's kind of what we're doing right now is um, the this year in 2024, we're going to try to have like a new item every month and swap out an old item. Or um, right now, like last month, we did a um, roasted garlic cheddar loaf. And this month, we're doing a pizza sourdough loaf. Um, so we're doing that kind of thing for expansion. Um, and then in the few next few months, we'd love to expand our quantities that we get to offer. So our, our huge goal this year is to be able to produce more quantities of bread. Um, mm -hmm. So get into that 50 to 60 loaf range a week. Mm -hmm. um, and so that would be like buying, buying a bread oven and buying maybe a commercial mixer. And so mm -hmm. all being in our home and still being a cottage bakery. So right now, um, I don't think in the near future expanding to like a brick and mortar. Um, I think right now I've really enjoyed having that 
balance of being able to be a mom and intentional with my little, but also, and, uh, and also wanting to grow our family in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also being a small business owner who still is, can be an intentional and put that as a huge priority while and nurturing it and, and still having, um, energy at the end of the day for my family. Mm-hmm. The time commitment and some flexibility by not becoming a brick and mortar. Yes. I, I gotcha. Okay. So you mentioned that you kind of do flavors of the month and such. Uh, what has been your favorite variety or favorite varieties of uh, sourdough that you've made so far? Yeah. Um, I have really loved, I love our original loaf, like just the plain Jane um, original. It's it's probably my favorite. It's just so versatile. Like you can throw some. You can put whatever you want yeah, on it. Yeah. Yes. You can eat it with pasta at the end of the night. You can eat it with your eggs in the morning. You can make a sandwich. Um, but I I have really loved so like making actually. Um, the pizza loaf has been really fun. So during stretch and folds, we add in our um, uncured pepperoni and our cheddar. Um, and then during shaping, I actually um, slather on the marinara and um, Italian herbs and the mozzarella and okay. it's just it's it's an art it's just to me it's just so it's fun kind of like a nice ad it's yes. like having play-doh with sprinkles yes. added into it it's like grown up it's grown You're up like, play-doh oh, this is cool um it's super yeah it's and just really fun um so all those inclusion loaves are really fun to me and then um I've loved I love making our desserts my mom is more so that that gal who does our cookies and our brownies um and that's just super fun and I've I just love doing it with her it's really fun Nice. Okay. How would you encourage a listener that uh, has never considered buying bread from a small baker or somewhere other than a grocery store um, to give this a try and support a small local business or head to the farmer's market and pick up, uh, yeah, pick up bread from a local person? Yeah. Um, I would encourage you guys all to buy sourdough um, from your your local bakery or a local micro bakery in your neighborhood um, because it's to me it's just it's a healthier option and you're also supporting small and that's just such a huge thing of smart supporting a small business is you're supporting um, a lot of just like intentionality and love that that small business and that family puts behind their products. I grew up in a home that. My parents owned a grocery store. And before that, that was my grandparents' grocery store. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been a part of the small business. Um, and just supporting a small business is just huge because you're not supporting those mass-produced corporations that throw their bread on the shelf that they don't really care who's eating it at the mm-hmm. end of the day. They are just kind of looking for those money signs um, at the end of the month. And yeah. um, so I I really would encourage you to support small, but also on the benefits of sourdough is to find a micro bakery near you or a bakery in town that truly only has the ingredients in their bread of wheat, water, and salt. Because <laughs> there, are, there are bakeries who put a sourdough flavoring or other things that they can still label it as sourdough bread. Mm. Um, but it's truly not three ingredients. So okay. really look for that um, and, and really su- try to support those um, local bakeries or micro bakeries. They are popping up um, if you look for them. Um, and because you know where the ingredients come from and there's a lot of intentionality put behind the product. Mm-hmm. I like um, the idea, just the level of separation. It kind of goes into all of our, our food supplies in just where we're at with um, 
service economy, like we're all in service or we just do jobs. And then food is just uh, super reliable and you can go to the grocery store. But there is like a level of separation from what it takes to make food mm-hmm. or who's involved in doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for us is like kind of part of why we value just yeah. taking a local option when possible or growing a garden and yeah. just and- being closer to your food supply. There's yeah. something kind of beautiful about that and the relational aspect. So Yeah. And I think like you were saying of um, that relational aspect or and even just supporting local of like I love the fact that microbakeries are popping up everywhere. And, and we're a, since we're a microbakery, it's kind of like supporting your local farmer of like, I, I, I know myself and other people in my community, like they're like, yeah, I have my egg guy mm-hmm. and I have my milk guy and I go and buy a half cow from someone. Like we want to be that weekly bread provider for families who can have um, simple ingredient bread and bakes on their table weekly, um, just like how you would go and pick up, you know, a dozen of eggs from um, their farmer down the road or go Mm -hmm. buy a half cow from someone. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of where I'm thinking about it too. We're winding down. Uh, We enjoy book reading. It lets people dive deeper into a single topic. And we think that that really models um, thinking nuanced and holding loosely to expectations and diving deep into a topic. Uh, So with that said, do you have a book recommendation related to today's show? Yeah, um, I love I've loved the book Artesian Sourdough Made Simple um, by Emily Raffa. And um, it's just it's a beautiful book, um, and it just is a great, um, a great book to just show you the steps of kind of what we talked about today with sourdough, um, and then also provide you some really great recipes. Um, and then also, I'm a big podcast gal, um, just because I, you know, listen to them in the car. Um, but Ancient Health Nutrition podcast by Josh Axe is um, my go-to for a lot of health um, and nutrition-related things. Okay. And last but not least, for um, anyone who is tuning in and they live in the Jacksonville area, um, how can they connect with you to order their next loaf of bread? Yeah, um, I we would absolutely love that. Um, we are on social media, on Instagram and Facebook um, at Haven Bread Co. Um, and you can find us there. Um, our menu drops since we are microbakery, our menu is not um, opened ordering all days of the week. So we drop our menu every Sunday and it is open until Tuesday afternoon. Um, And if you order between Sunday and Tuesday, you can um, pick up your bread Thursday afternoon, freshly baked that morning in either St. John's or Mandarin. Um, That link to order, I'll I'll give it so we can put it in the show notes, but also it is in our link in our bio on um, all of our social media platforms. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Well, Brianna, thank you so much for joining me today. I think this was a fun convo and I think people will totally uh, resonate with what I'm trying to pull out with the nuanced beauty that it is making sourdough. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And in the spirit of nuance, I hope you found something that you could agree with and you could disagree with and still choose to lean in. Give us a follow rating and review and consider sharing this episode with a friend to continue the dialogue and help us grow. Until next time.